When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So we're back with episode 64. Um, I had to just kind of, that was the last of the in-laws, like the the, chi- the kid in-laws, like, you know, okay. so I had to come up with something fast because we hadn't had like a full discussion. So I just went back to the baby naming ballot. Okay. From when they were deciding on Jordan. Oh, um, yeah. So I just, I went to the top and picked a name that isn't a Duggar. Okay. And uh, that's where I'm going with this. So today okay. is the Julie. Julie. Julie episode. I was ready for Jehoshaphat. Okay. I think that would have been a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, side note, so our recording schedule and everything's thrown off this week. Yeah. Number one, besides the fact that like I couldn't do my normal research on the weekend because I was having my little... Forcing fall well, fields. Forcing fall fields get together. Mm-hmm. But Tim, on top of that, Tim's schedule is a little wonky this week. So it's Tuesday morning at 8.28 a.m. Yeah. I'm in my jammies. <laughs> and I have a little little, little furry baby on my lap right now. A little now. cuddly Mildred. Because she's like, this is when we'd be drinking coffee and cuddling mama. Yep. <laughs> There's a little baby right here. I'm going to post in the stories after we're done so you guys can see that. There's a little baby helping. <laughs> little baby. Was that your Mildred minute? I guess so. Mm-hmm. So I do have two orders of business. I'll take your order. First of all, um, the kind of last ditch effort with Pest legal, you know, team of trying to asking the courts for everybody to yeah. review. Got a big fat nope. <laughs> Color me surprised. So he got a big old nope. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, what's left? I don't know what's left for them to file. I don't know all the fucking things that you can file and file and right. file. But one, another one down that they've hit roadblocks. Keep them coming. The next thing is uh, not only did I post it in our stories and it also went into last week's episodes visuals. But for those who are not on there, but you should be because there's lots of visuals. Um, <laughs> those who haven't, I just wanted to say that it was sort of funny because you know how we talk about like things lining up timeline wise very yeah. funny the day that we released last week's episode jill was in her stories talking and the harp is right there in the background <laughs> so it was the like the harp, harp. <laughs> so we just actually watched that episode then we talk about it in the dig because it's in her book mm-hmm. on the itemized list and then of you know of jim bob counting the cost of jill <laughs> And then just there it is. And so I was like, that's why he allotted it to her because yep. she has it now. But it's like, I hope 
and he, you know, he said fifteen thousand dollars. I'm like, did you take off all the years of like it was used? It was way used, yeah. I hope you took off the years of your other children using it. <laughs> so oh, just thought man. that was kind of funny. The harp that it was like the day. I was like, oh my god, there it is. We should try to get that harp on the pod. I bet it. Oh, the things it could tell us. I'm sure. If anybody knows that harp, let us know. I bet it could harp on a few things. Look at you. Merp. it's early yeah (laughs) i haven't even had a full cup of coffee so the episode is called grand dugger first month what's it about which is funny because that's not really like the main focus of it feels like the b plot yeah i was just Mm -hmm. like that's the name you get yeah anyways you think that would be like the focus of the entire episode Mm -hmm. But it premiered on November 24th, 2009, so Thanksgiving-ish vibes, date-wise. So the episode starts with the voiceover of Baby Cannon saying how they've been invited by a professor from the University of Arkansas to come speak to their class, and they thought it would be a good opportunity to invest in the lives of some young people. We would rather them not do any investing, (laughs) but okay. And it's for uh, PR and media students, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we get a we get a tight lip lock. Yep. Because during this voiceover, they're just showing them kind of like it's the day that they they're going, so it's like them getting ready for it. And you know, pest just a pest. See, it's too early, man. I'm, it is. It is. <laughs> You're not used. It to is. It. Um, pest still rubbing his eyes o'clock eight thirty <laughs> like. Lego just like you know has to like walk over and give her a big kiss and I question marked matching clothing I know this has been controversial well I mean you stole a bingo from me last week but I didn't even notice that they had matching clothing they were both wearing like she's hers is more limey his is a bit more sagey I don't know but like they're both wearing green and because they're going to it's that one it's his event shirt Okay. It's that long one where it's the one that um we can never see his phone belt clip. He wears it anytime they're going somewhere mm-hmm. a little bit nicer. He wears it with khakis and he it's like his going out shoes. Okay. And then it's like this longer like green button up. So they're both wearing green. I'm like, do we think that I kind of feel like it's like, well, let's both wear green while we go talk to these. I'm going to allow it because I don't hate the fact of or I don't hate the idea of you getting a bingo. Okay. Well, then you allow it and then I'm just going to go with that. So, I mean, it sucks that I can't get the same courtesy, but... As if you you haven't won bingo, but, you know, know. it's fine. Whatever. You're so persecuted. I know. So, as they're heading out the door, they show Jamesy Bug putting the hose of the vacuum, like, up to his ear. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you notice his shirt? No. You didn't? I'm Mm -hmm. surprised. It's pink, and it says, tough guys wear pink. (laughs) Which is just a little surprising yeah. in the Duggar sphere, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to point that out. I'm like, I would. They're very gendered in their thinking. Yeah. And this isn't the only male wearing pink in this episode. There's one later on. Spoiler alert. Oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. So you'll mm-hmm. have to enlighten me. Yep. Um, in Talking Heads, they ask a trio of the Lost Boys. And this time it's Justin, Artist Jed, and Jamesy Bug. <laughs> so I guess they heard us. These last couple episodes talking about Jeer being the lostest of the lost yep. boys at this point in time. Because suddenly he's in the mix now. So it's like. 
people got involved. So they asked the boys how things are different at the house when your parents are away. And their answers are funny for a couple of reasons. The first one being because Jamesy Bug says, well, that was pretty fun. It's like, who doesn't <laughs> love their parents? Even if like, who doesn't love when their parents are gone? There is like the sense of like, yeah! Ooh, or like yeah. when like the teacher walks out of the room for 35 seconds and the whole mm-hmm. class is like, let me do something. Free, let, yeah. yeah, let me go switch and let me go sit in her chair and let me get up and go take this pencil. You know, it's yeah. like those moments of freedom as a kid <laughs> where you're just like, fuck yes. <laughs> but it gets even better because Jeer says, the girls are in charge. And then, ready for it? Jamesy Bug says, so it's like the same. <laughs> Fucking killed me. You said me. a mouthful, kid. <laughs> the honesty of children. <laughs> He's just like, it's not any different. They're just <laughs> not. He's, the girls are. I mean, if that doesn't tell you everything right there. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. Yeah, you said it. <laughs> Damn, Jamesy Bug. He likes chicken. He's spitting truth. He may harass some animals, but, you know, spit some truth, and he really likes chicken. Yeah. Was he the one that was making relish? Oh. I was trying to remember No, which that was Jason. Jason. I was trying to remember which Jason, kid was you know, relish. what's funny is, like, Jason was, like, really cute as a little kid, but, like, he's had some really fair... He's, like, had the most feral moments. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that was Jason. So, the producer says he thinks it's a, it's a little different. I think it's a little bit noisier. Do you think so? And James says, just a little bit. And artist Jed says, I mean, just a little bit. Maybe a lot of bit. <laughs> oh, man. When they were showing this, if I remember correctly, there's a scene where they're trying to feed the kids. And it's, is this the part where they show them all eating like pizza and stuff? Yeah, it's kind of like some point during that montage or something. There was a point. So they have pizza, and then some of the kids are putting food in the microwave, which is under-counter um, microwave that they have. So it's like all the kids are freaking out, and they're talking about what it is when you know they're all trying to eat. And then the, they know the parents are leaving, and the energy's different. And there's a scene where like a bunch of the kids have taken their pa- their like paper plate, and they're eating their pizza like on the on floor. On the floor, yeah. And there was a. There was a point where behind you, or behind our dancing king, you see the microwave and Jill momming it up, and then it just reminded me of that that clip where, um, who is it? Charlie Sheen that's drunk and like eating on the floor. No, it's not Charlie Sheen. It's the guy from Baywatch. Oh, David Hasselhoff. Yeah, with the hamburger. That, yeah, and it's that's like, that's yeah. what it felt like because our dancing king looks kind of like sleepy, but then he's like stuffing his face, and then he like looks up at the camera. So it was and very enjoys much like, like the squirting Hoff. ranch on a plate. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. chaos. <laughs> yeah. So um, Lego and Cannon, they well they arrive at the university, but Cannon goes in first because Lego has to park the car. He doesn't have John David to. Do it for him, like in DC. So Jim Bob actually comes in a few minutes later. Like he's coming up the stairs and he's holding like a stack of their books. And he's so he walks into the the classroom and he's like, Well, I'll tell you what. I just met a girl in the elevator, got on the elevator, was holding all these books. She looked over at me and she said, Oh, I tell you what, I'm glad I'm not in that class where I have to read about the Duggars. (laughs) And Cannon loses it. Like, 
this is like pissing her poise moment. Like she is just like, you know, he's a real cut up. So like she is losing her mind and the students are all like, really? And he said that he told the girl, yeah, that'd be awful. Do you think that you, actually happened? I don't know. Cause this, I feel like it's definitely 50, 50. Cause he either has this in the holster at all times of a story he can tell to have something to say. Or it actually could have happened. I don't know. I think it's 50-50. Because we can't use the cameras not catching it as saying that it's a lie because they had one crew. Like one crew's back mm-hmm. at home watching the kids. They probably had one crew just showing Michelle in there. And they're like, he's just going to come. Because they were kind of watching him come up the stairs. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I don't know. I feel like maybe there might be a smidgen of truth and maybe it's stretched. But yeah. Now, do you feel like they didn't outright say it? But I wrote Duggar time with a question mark because you would like, don't get me wrong. Parking around a university is a disaster. And when I was there, it's a whole, whole like authoritarian regime of parking and transportation services. But I, I took it as they were already late. And then the parking was difficult. So that's why it was like, oh, well, he's out parking the car. Because the reason why, like, John David was parking the car in D.C. was because they had a bus. That was more difficult logistically than a vehicle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I didn't take it as I didn't I didn't think there's anything obvious of an, enough that they were like on time because they didn't even say like, oh, we're late or anything like that. Yeah. So. I took it as implied Duggar time, I guess. So what? Are, so what's the call? Well, apparently it's not a it's not a bingo square. So, okay. So um, now it flashes over to the pest nest, and they're getting ready for Mackenzie's first doctor's appointment. And this is the very first time that they're taking her out anywhere. Mm-hmm. So Anna's like, "This is my first time packing a diaper bag and like all mm-hmm. that stuff." And Pest is getting the carrier into the car, and there's a voiceover of Anna saying. Well, Josh has probably buckled in seats a lot growing up. He'll probably get it in like two minutes and it'll be no big deal for him. And as she even just like started that sentence, I was like, you sure about that though? Like, you know, like, oh, he's probably done it a lot growing up. I'm like, are you, are you sure? And I was right because he's a struggling uh, and he's saying, how does this work? I I don't know how to work this thing. How do you get this thing to latch? And, and here's the thing I will say. I can see myself being like, when I know I'm being watched for something simple, like, oh my God, like, I'm just like, holy shit, I can't, like, you know, I'm like, I can't, I would have practiced, <laughs> like, you know, knowing that that's probably a scene we're going to be doing the next day, I would have been like the night before without the baby in it, but just going in and like practice, but he's too confident and fucking, no, I totally, a thousand percent I would, because I know that once a camera's on me with something like that, I'd be like, I, I feel like I lose all basic abilities like i can't yeah. function when yeah. someone doing the simplest of tasks when i feel like somebody's watching it. the worst mm. god i hate more than anything at work when like people would be over my shoulder like while i was like typing something i'm like can you just look away please like can you just not or like when i'd be like clicking through something and they're like saying i'm like can you just like look to the side and i'll i'll, I'll tell you <laughs> when to look at the screen like i just hate that feeling of being like watched during time anyways so, but he's too arrogant, so he probably thought he he fucking had it, and then all of a sudden cameras are on him, and he's like, I can't even fucking put yeah. this seat together. And then when he finally gets it, Anna being the good, you know, hype 
hype wife, IBLP wife, <laughs> says, very good. It clicks. So she's like, good boy. That's how it feels good every boy. time. <laughs> and then, you know, they have to kiss. I wonder where they learned that from. Well, yeah. Because God forbid they be separated by a few feet now rather than just a few inches because Anna is going to sit in the back seat next to the baby. Yep. So she says, oh, I'm going to miss not sitting by you. Are you? Oh. <laughs> are you for that 20-minute drive? It's going to be miserable. So terrible. So I think we can now um, do doctor's visit square. Where the mm. hell is it? If I can ever... I was never paying attention in this, but every time there's any sort of like praise like that, I always feel like adoring gaze goes to it, but I did not pay attention to it, honestly. There is an adoring gaze later. Okay. Which is normally not one. I was proud of myself because I always miss that one. Yeah. There was also one phone belt clip earlier in the episode. uh, Oh, well, I think what you're talking about was in flashbacks, Mm. and I don't count flashbacks because I know I remember the scenes. Yeah. So it was covered. It was up like a photo shoot. Because yeah, and so yeah. it was John David. It was a it was a blazing on uh John David's hip there, but it was flashbacks to their to their like Today Show things and like mm. whatever. I don't count those. And like I was saying, I'm looking at Boob, but he's wearing that long sage green the, shirt yeah, that covers not it up. In. Yeah. And there has e- to be a foam belt. And even later Pest, in this episode. as they're going to, uh, yeah, I have it down. Mm. But um. Even Pest, as they're arriving at the doctor, he's wearing a really long Aeropasta shirt. It's very long. It's a polo, Mm -hmm. but it's like, and so I'm like, it's in there. And I can even (laughs) kind of see the bulge. Ew, not that bulge. Um, But you can even kind of see like the, you can see it, but I'm like, I'm I'm not going to count it because I can't actually see the phone. You think IBLP like women were like, ooh, you can see the outline of his phone. (laughs) They're like, ooh, he's wearing a tight shirt today. Okay, so they arrive at the doctor, and it's Dr. Fedoski comes in, mm-hmm. and Josh explains how he's not only a family friend, but he's also been their family physician for many years. Mm-hmm. And just FYI for you, Tim, that is Teresa's husband. Oh, okay. So that's Miss Teresa, cervical softening's husband. Mm-hmm. Like I've said many times, de- uh, digs on each of them in the future. Oh, gosh. <laughs> But he doesn't. He doesn't have much going on in the way of like personality. I mean, no, I, like I understand no. you're just kind of like on like camera, like randomly. But like, there's not even much to say. It's a kind of a short scene anyway. Mm-hmm. But like, um, he doesn't give a vibe of bedside manner. <laughs> like, no, it's kind of awkward and no, weird. Yeah, it was a like I don't know, but it's kind of short. And then now they arrive. It's Pest and Anna on a different day. Um, they arrive at an accessories type store. Mm-hmm. Has a Claire's type vibe to it, but it's not actually Claire's. Yep. And you actually see that they're buying the purse that they gifted to Joy last episode. Mm-hmm. But man, some of the purses in the background <laughs> took me straight back in time. <laughs> zebra, zebra and pink. Mm-hmm. zebra and lime green <laughs> giraffe print oh man i remember my sister right above me she had the best pink and giraffe like luggage and i borrowed it for everything i ever had to do <laughs> yeah love that luggage um even the cat oh man even the cashier what she's wearing because she's wearing like a very specific like there's like th- a lot of three quarter or maybe it's like half sleeve um tops back then you you She's got the black with the white pulled under, like, um, undershirt pulled out so you can mm-hmm. see it. The long necklaces. She's got, I mean, the side bang, the headband. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, it just, 
it just I, I know I'm I realize in this moment I'm like man I miss it like it was just an era <laughs> that I I'm I don't care if, yeah. if everybody's like oh look at that I fucking miss it it was just such a like I remember that point in my life Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an era uh, so as they're shopping it also cuts um to a talking head of them talking about becoming parents and mm-hmm. while Anna says you know things like it's more special than she ever dreamed of and you know, getting to be a family and working together. Pest chimes in saying, we couldn't do it alone. I really don't think. Funny, not funny. Because Anna is doing it alone now. Yeah. But I'm pr- pretty sure she was anyway. Now it's just like official. <laughs> um, And I'm sure her house is covered in fucking crackers. She's got like <laughs> 10 years of crackers. Building up for when mm. he gets home. But he goes on about the baby crying, and then she's crying more, and then crying more, and it's 5 a.m., and you've got no sleep, and you have to get up in a couple hours, end quote. And it's like, okay, um, we're going to do this. Sacrifice. And all of that just coming from him is like, oh, are you? You who couldn't even... <laughs> you'll see in the future why I don't buy any of him. Oh, I do God. not buy for a fucking second that anything wakes him up. And you'll understand in the future. But, oh, I, I'm sure that even if the baby's crying, he's fucking probably fucking fast asleep. So I was arguing pest gone pest with that comment. Yep. Okay. It's a lot of opportunity for pest gone pest in this episode. And I, I feel like when they do, like, the talking head with him and Anna, there's just a look on his face when he says these things that you're like, you don't believe anything that you're saying right now. He's just, ugh. You know when they talk about people having a really punchable face? He has a really oh, punchable he, face. Oh, it's so like, smug. It, and <laughs> that's he, exactly what God, it is. God, I can't yeah. fucking, yeah, his face, man. <laughs> so, Nat, back to Lego and Canon, and it's kind of like, seems like Q&A time. Mm. And this is where I was saying that we get an adoring gaze, because mm. as Lego is talking, she... not. They're holding like one hand. They're holding like she's holding his one hand, mm. and um, yeah, and she's just like gazing and smile like that plastered smile while he talks. And I didn't write down all the questions because I didn't find them very groundbreaking. Yeah, but the one I wanted to point out is when a woman asks, "How do you all ha- all handle some of these negative comments, such as you're using your kids as a money maker and stuff mm. like that?" Which sister said a mouthful. <laughs> And it especially hits harder after Jill's book and the details of mm-hmm. all that mess financially. And then I wrote down Duggar explaining. Okay. Square, because he gives um, his canned answer of how, you know, they use television as a tool to encourage families. And another one of the things is that, um, like, he gets into this whole thing about how, well, you know, we're not doing anything any different. We were going to come here and they're filming us. They're back mm-hmm. home filming the kids and we're not doing our lives any different. So, yeah. and there's actually another reason why I bring that up. But, um, so yeah, it's just kind of like his canned answer. And I feel like his usual Duggar explaining. Mm-hmm. Back at Legoland, Jill gathers the litter for violin practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's the one really running it and running the show and like she's on the, the intercom oh yeah she's like everybody down here and like the way she's like and everybody and then look at Jana. and i mean like she's really like directing the circus like um <laughs> uh, it, it and they play badly i mean i i mean i feel kind of bad saying that because i can't play an instrument at all so but 
I only kind of pointed out because it's been sort of funny because people have been like, yeah, they may have been this sort of like model family, but they're like, they actually weren't that like good at any of these things. Like, you know, like they're like, there's other families. And like Jill even said in her book, like, yeah, we weren't that good, like, like compared to like these other ones. So it's just sort of funny. It's like they tried, but it's like, I mean, you put a fucking five year old on a violin. It's probably not going to sound that great. No. And unfortunately, string instruments like that are are not super exact with certain things so it's like the the window of of sounding really amazing is very small and And that's why it takes a lot of practice and that's why you know what i mean so it's like whenever you have little kids that are doing it like it's gonna be rough well it's like and you put a million of them together that are not like real musicians and it's just like it just is like there was a point where one of the one of the girls was like one of the little I don't remember who, I don't remember, maybe it was one of the little lost boys, I don't know. But one of them had the violin in their hands and they were like looking away at something else, but then they were still moving the bow like in time with the music. And you're like, you know, that kid's not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it, w- it was sort of funny because right before they get started, Jill said, smile, have a pleasant look on your face so you don't look like you're mad or something. Oof. Which, which, of course, they're practicing for performance, so I get that in like the mm-hmm. performance sense. But I just thought it was sort of interesting, ti- you know, funny timing after talking about how she was talking, saying her mm-hmm. sweet Jilly muffin mask wasn't appearing the way it used to. Yep. And I understand that this is very specific to like performance, but still, we know that that's expected of them outside All of the time. Yeah, it's it's beyond just performing music; it's Correct. performing all the time. So, mm-hmm. when I was in the marching band at U of A. One of the things that we talked about was that you don't control when people are cheering, like after you're done. Because we would go and do some performances and we'd perform and people would be paying attention. But then we would get to the end of whatever song we were singing or singing, whatever song we were playing. And then nobody would really react. Like they wouldn't really clap. Like it just wasn't that crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. So one of the things in the... in our performance stuff was like, be your biggest supporter. So when we would get to the end of our song, we would finish playing, and then we would be the ones cheering and clapping, regardless of what the what the audience was doing. You yeah. know what I mean? So I always <laughs> think about that, too. We're like, we were essentially playing and then cheering for ourselves. <laughs> Woo! We did good. Good job, yeah. guys. Yeah. Killed it. <laughs> So after they're done with their violin practice session, they begin practicing bells, which is new. Once again, (laughs) Jilly Croissant is running the show, Mm -hmm. but it's actually just six of the Lost Boys doing it, which I think is an interesting choice of like, (laughs) that's not the six I would pick, but hey, whatever. (laughs) They're like, we need to do something with this crew. You have two thirds of other kids to choose from and you chose, (laughs) that's the third you picked. Um, but I'm while they're practicing, man, it makes me think of my favorite Christmas commercial. Yeah, of course. The Hershey's Kisses. Yeah. <laughs> and his little his little like what do you call that little thing? Like the little tag, like the yeah. little like paper thing. And he wipes his little his little not existent brow. The one that has the little solo at the end where he's all It's a classic commercial. Great commercial. Now it cuts to Pess Carlot, and he's nailing license plates to the fence for decor. Mm-hmm. And we finally get the phone belt clip. Yep. We have been belt blocked. 
<laughs> this entire episode up until this point. So uh. by those long shirts. Then John David shows up and he's mm-hmm. um, he's working on getting his towing business started. You know, he's like filing permits and stuff like that. But he does all of the family towing. And so mm-hmm. he's brought Josh some of the cars that he bought at auction. Mm-hmm. And John David has been helping out at the car lot since the baby was born. So um, now it's like a different day after the drop off mm-hmm. of the cars. And so he's at the lot running it on this particular day. So we get a John David Speaks square. Yay, our boy. Our um, funny, shy boy. At one point, he's showing off some of the cars like to the camera crew, one of which was a 1998 Dodge Caravan mm-hmm. that was Janice for a while. And he says, as seen on TV right here. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, like for like <laughs> sort of funny. He was getting real witty yep. in this one. A uh, couple funny moments with people being kind of like weirded out by the cameras and being filmed, yeah, or like caught off guard. John da- David's in the office, and a guy comes in, like he walks in the door, and he's like, "Oh, oh," you know, and he's like, "Can <laughs> I help you?" And he's like, "I'm just here for a card," and he's like, "But when he walks in, he's like, oh, I'm sorry.'" <laughs> and um and then when he's leaving he's like do you guys like do you guys do this to every guy that buys a car here and then he's like little little home movie <laughs> and he's like oh they just stopped by like it's just like you could tell even john david doesn't know what to say like yeah he's just like it's stopped yeah. by and then pest ends up video chatting him from <laughs> home god yeah go ahead when he first when the video call connected and it went through, the very first thing that appeared, the first thing that was the feed from the pest side, was him sitting on the couch at his house holding a guitar. And then putting the guitar down and then talking. And it just felt very staged. It felt very like, oh, I'm gonna grab this so so I look cool when the you know what I mean? Like it felt staged to me. I guess I didn't take it as staged. I took it as like he just doesn't even care. Like there's probably a baby sleeping. He doesn't care that his brother's running his car a lot for him. It's like I'm just sitting here playing the guitar. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but during this call, um he he's calling to say, like, hey, I think someone's coming to look at this car. Can you put mm-hmm. in some like fluid and blah 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 blah? But during this call back on the whole people kind of being weirded out thing, JD tells him like, Oh, there's a baby gift here for you and he's like, From who? And he's like, Some lady who kinda like ran off like when she saw the cameras, basically. <laughs> like so he had a couple run ins that day where people were like, The fuck is going on here? <laughs> but I mean, if it's someone to bring them a baby gift, either it's a really weird random stranger. Mm-hmm. Or someone they know. But either way, it's like, you know that they have a show. But they were yeah. just, like, surprised that they were on the lot that day, I guess. <laughs> but back at the Pest Nest, we see Pa and Ma Keller. They're coming to meet the baby for the first time. It's been about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it said earlier in the episode that they got to watch the birth episode. Because that's the thing about um, TLC. They, for, you'll see this with all the births. and I, I've told you, but, man, I fucking hate when it gets to counting on. Because I how they show everything twice because mm-hmm. they like to do like they, they like to strike while the iron's hot like right after somebody of gets course. married or right when the baby is born so they have like the pre everything of the episode all lined up from older footage mm-hmm. and it's like obviously and then they just put in that last little bit at the end but they end up doing everything but then they'll go back later and then do a full fucking thing on it i'm like what are you right. doing this twice for but that's 
you know, clearly what they did with the birth special. So mm-hmm. they put that out right after she was born. So her parents were able to watch that. And then two weeks later, they're now finally um, able to get there to meet Mackenzie. Mm-hmm. And it's her little brother, um, Susanna, and Priscilla, which is... Priscilla was not actually there for the baby shower, even mm-hmm. when Esther and Rebecca were, which to me were the two who are more unlikely to not be there. Because at this point, Priscilla's still not married. Okay. And Rebecca and Esther were, you know, Esther mm-hmm. already had probably seven kids by that point. But like, <laughs> so it was kind of interesting that Priscilla wasn't there at the time. I'm like, she's probably off in some, she's probably a journey to the heart or something. <laughs> but so Priscilla actually makes a little appearance this time. So this is the... First time since, like, kind of background in the wedding that we mm-hmm. see Priscilla. We've okay. seen Susanna quite a bit. But... Yep. And that's This kind is of... where Pest is wearing a pink polo. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Lots of Duggar men wearing pink today. Yep. <laughs> that's the one thing about gender that they don't care about, I guess, you know. Apparently not. Yeah. You'll see that, like, when they get in later episodes where, like, the the boys were like, well, she was a girl because she had a bow in her hair. You know, like, bo- like. <laughs> Very, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what do they think of this pink? But I guess it's okay. It's just a little surprising. Yep. And that's kind of it. I like the bells part. Yeah. It's very funny. Yep. How are you looking over there? Um, The best I got was three, and that's it. Okay. What about you? You have a fucking bingo, right don't you? Right down the heart. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Oh, yep, I see it. I didn't even look. <laughs> his little Pringles, his little ramens all lined up. Uh, One white claw. We have a little white claw pieces yeah. as well. Dig, 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 dig. So is that, the, oh, is that the third or fourth time for you? Is that the third? Should just be the second. No, you've gotten mm-hmm. it at least twice. I was supposed to no, get it. you got it twice. I was supposed to get it a second time. You were but... supposed to get it a third time. You got it. Tw- you got it twice. Really? Yes. I don't remember that. Yes, you got it twice. I blocked you on a third. So this is technically, we know. this is your third. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, uh, I'm winning this season. Mm, yep, sure are. Next season. That's why, the, that's why the rules are going to change. Next, next season, season, we're having mixed up boards. <laughs> Keep it interesting. You'll See, when you know. switched boards with me, you should have stayed switched boards. You would have gotten a bingo. I don't need bingo. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need justify. that sort of value. Yeah, I don't need it. You it sounds like you do. Uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, all right, funny. that's all I have for the episode recap. Anything yeah, from you? It was it was a weird episode. It felt like there was three different like storylines that none of them were really huge, you know. Yeah, and there was a lot of the weaving back and forth. Mm-hmm. When I feel like normally you'll have episodes that have three distinct things or two distinct things, but right. it was just like really like boom, 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 back and forth, yeah. like constantly. It was kind of a weird episode. So when John David was showing off Jana's old van, her vanna, um... <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I was I was in the middle of a deep breath when I laughed. So if that was really loud, it's because I was like breathing in and out all at the same time. Um, her they also showed that the they were selling the old Gus. Yes, yes. Yeah, the white one. Because the one they're driving in now is red. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they're selling the old Gus bus. Yep. Um, the old white one. So. Which reminds me, I got a picture of our Gus bus that I have. <laughs> I forgot to post. Yeah. I'll have to post that. I just love the fact that in like George Lopez show text or George Lopez show font, it says Gus the bus really big on the side and it makes me happy. Yep. I think it just says Gus Bus. We add the the because it's endearing. <laughs> but I think it's just the Gus Bus. 
but all right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this is a wild week. It is Thursday morning at 1036 a.m. that we're finally able to record part two. We got multiple variables, Tim's schedule and my schedule. Things are... Things are out of whack. Things are hectic. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally we would have had this posted like late last night, middle of the night type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're still recording here at 1035 a.m. So when you're listening to this, it's late. But it's what happens when you're doing this on top of jobs. So <laughs> in, a, in a wonderful world, this would be it. But it's not. We, we, we've yeah. grown accustomed to having a roof over our head and food <laughs> and um, snackies for Mildred. So Selfish. Yes. Okay. Ready to dig? I'm ready to dig. So today's dig is the people's choice. The pickle people's choice. <laughs> our monthly supporters with a servant's heart were given oh, two dig topic options. And this is the one that they chose. So today we're going to be talking about the history of TLC. They're often a topic of discussion with kind of, you know, they're being complicit in all of this, but especially so right now with Jill's book. So I think it's a good time to discuss how it all got started. Odd as it may sound to discuss the origins of TLC, we have to touch on the Appalachian region, <laughs> which I say, but I, I realize that even in my own head, when I say mm-hmm. things, I flip back and forth between, because you hear both ways. You hear Appalachian right. and then you hear Appalachian. I think I flip back and forth, but we'll see what I end up saying throughout this whole thing. What do you say? Appalachian. Because of the Appalachian emergency room? That's part of it, but then also I've seen a lot of other things where that's why I've heard it said, so that's how I say it. If that's wrong... It's both, like, I, I watched the whole thing about how it's, like, north versus, versus south, but um, really it's Appalachian Emergency Room on SNL that really... It's like a rural emergency room and all the characters that come in are very funny. Oh, thank and, you for your time. <laughs> Maya Rudolph. But then it's um, Amy Poehler's voice. It's supposed to be, like, a like a show bumper and it it shows like an ambulance driving through a town and then it's amy puller goes and now back to appalachian emergency room <laughs> and there's always there's a guy that always comes in because like he fell on different he fell on different things he has things in him in in him but he, you know, he has a crazy story about how he felt well you wouldn't believe <laughs> like, yeah, like how he yeah. felt anyway so that's why i always say uh, appalachian. appalachian so um so we have to touch on the appalachian region nasa okay. and the 1960s to talk about its origin damn this is like a Candyland map it twists around let's go so back in the 60s the governors of several appalachian you know states alabama georgia kentucky Tennessee, just to name a few, but there was more. Mm-hmm. They asked the federal government for aid in supporting the economic and community development of the Appalachian region. So the Appalachian Regional Commission, or ARC, as it was known as, 
for short, was created with the goal of providing access to health and educational services for their communities because they're they're like it's typically kind of like an underserved and um, like type type area. They need some help. So a few years down the road after the ARC was created, NASA was kind of like on a kick of wanting to utilize some of their technology for the good of the public. So in 1972, NASA paired up with the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare to use one of their satellites to create the Education Satellite Communication Demonstration. Everything's... That is a mouthful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to broadcast health and education information. Okay. So this was right up the ARC's alley, and they're like, oh, this is kind of like what we have in mind with what they're wanting to provide for their community. Mm-hmm. So they asked like, if they can be a part of it. And um, the Appalachian Educational Satellite Project, AESP, was created. So many names and so many acronyms. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. The the government loves an acronym. They really do. So that's the first part. But I do feel like a lot of those things, the names of their projects and names of their things are very wordy. I know. And it's like, I'm trying to say it, but I'm like, what else am I supposed to say? They created this thing, you know? So I'm just like, uh, I got to say the whole thing. Yeah, the AESPC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The AESPC. So they, so it's the AESP, um, actually, that they created. So originally, for the for- first few years, the A- AESP's focus was broadcasting courses, mm-hmm. um, a lot of which were geared towards teachers that could be used for continuing education credits. Okay. And then also just courses that could actually um, be used for college credits as well for mm-hmm. so like anybody could take them and they counted towards certain universities in the area wow and event eventually it ended up expanding to even emt training and business management courses as well cool so it's start- using some resources so, yeah, some it, stuff. It, it really did start off as like an actual like really good community thing right so then in 1978 there ended up being a problem with um the satellite that NASA was providing for this. Okay. And they said that they wouldn't be able to broadcast for a while, but the, a- the AESP, <laughs> they didn't want to like give up or go a period of time without it. They're like, we really want to keep this rolling. So instead they decided to switch to a commercial satellite. But of course this meant it would no longer be free to them. This was a special thing with NASA. So it's mm. like going to just regular satellites that, you just have here all the, you know. Right. That's different. So this led to the creation of yet another acronym. Mm, give it to me. In October of 1980, a nonprofit organization called the Appalachian Community Service Network. It was actually more uh, commonly referred to as ACSN, the acronym, <laughs> but um, ACSN, the learning channel. So that's the very first time that we hear that. Roll credits. It was created with the mission to, quote, serve and benefit the people of the Appalachian region by providing educational, cultural, and public interest programs through a television network utilizing a satellite distribution system. So it still had the same goal. The the missions were the same. And when they created it, um, the board still even included people from the previous. So it was really still kind of like rolling through the same thing. So the upside of this was now it would be available in people's homes via cable television. Not just to specific sites and centers like it was previously. So all those type of educational things I was talking about. So it would be 
course credits and EMT mm-hmm. training, but it was like via satellite to some like community center or space. So now this is the first time where they're like, oh, we can actually like. If you have cable, have you can get this. it. Yeah, this can be in people's homes. That's cool. And they also ended up expanding their offerings from what was just formal educational courses to now having more informal or informational content, as they called it. Okay. Because now they had programs on nature, science, history, cooking, home improvement, etc. Not just coursework type of material. Right. When you said home improvement, I thought of the Tim Allen show. Well, That's why I started. I mean, do, 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 a classic. Oh, and you know what? I always wanted to be fucking Heidi. Like in the beginning, it was, um, you know, Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Couldn't tell you the name of the next Heidi, but I always wanted to be Heidi. So I'd go put on my Oshkosh. <laughs> I'd put on like a pair of Oshkosh bagashes, and then I'd be, like ask my dad if I could carry his hammer around, and I'd pretend to be Heidi, and then it turned into me just calling myself a worker girl. Have you been Have you been reading my diary? What's going on right now? <laughs> I was very into it. I was like, I'm like, she's so cool, and I wanted her like Timberland like shoes. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. Like, I was like, oh man, she's awesome. I uh, I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> Good show. So they describe themselves as, quote, the only cable programming network with a full-time commitment to the delivery of educational, instructional, and inf- informational programs for adult viewers and learners. Okay. So they're like, we're it, man. You know? <laughs> they they were feeling themselves. They were. <laughs> And by 1984, they dropped the whole ACSN part of it. Thank God, I'm done with that. You know, well, no, they're still an acronym. What am I talking about? But um, they drop ACS, ACSN part of the name, and they start sim- simply going by the Learning Channel. Okay. So they're not an acronym yet, but they're just the Learning Channel. Mm-hmm. And their slogan is, a place for learning minds. Okay. Oh, how the mighty have- will fall. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Uh, those people that were all proud in that statement they're probably fucking rolling in their graves when they see what it is now so you know but running this now being on like cable television and with commercial satellites it requires money and shit ain't free anymore of course so they struggled to get the money that they needed they tried um in various different ways but they ended up needing to turn to investors to keep Mm. going so infotech infotech bought a 51% stake in 1986 for $3 million. And you know I love an inflation calculator. <laughs> so that's about $8.5 million today. Okay. That didn't work out in the long run, though, because in 1991, Infotech went bankrupt. Damn. So Discovery Communications swooped in and not only bought their stake, um, but as well as ACN's stake, so that other like forty nine percent that they were still retaining, yeah. they end up buying it both of them out for about twelve million, becoming the sole owner. That would be about twenty seven million today. <laughs> so surprising to no one, things changed once the channel was acquired by Discovery. What? The formal education courses were moved to other networks as they began to focus on mm. programming that would appeal more to the masses. Of course. And it wasn't bad at first. We're still a far, far cry from Toddlers and Tears. Oh, man. It could still be deemed educational at this point with programs such as Paleo World, Amazing Space, and even a whole block of programming geared towards preschool-age children called Ready, Set, Learn. 
Okay. So it's not bad in the beginning. They're still... So they were still pantomiming being like an educational resource. <laughs> well, I still even think today when people go, remember when the Learning Channel used to learn on the Learning Channel? I think even when people, when they say that they remember, this is what they're remembering because this yeah. was the beginning days of it being that. Before that, nobody remembers it before before this point you know what i mean what people remember are this this is Mm -hmm. so it's still to me it's still fine at this point yes it's not college credit stuff but it's not like trash yet (laughs) so by the mid 90s they start broadcasting programming that leaned a bit more to the sensational side okay or at least had some more excitement to them what was the toe dip i'm ready with shows like trauma life in the er Mm. which is one of their earliest form of reality shows in a sense and medical detectives i remember that show which one medical detectives did you know i didn't know this that was or is forensic files really like if you google medical detectives right now it will bring up forensic files that's the only thing it will bring up so did they change the name I'll, and then I'll, that's I'll, just... I'll oh. get to that down the road. But um, I just want, I spent many, many years and many late nights watching Forensic Files. <laughs> that's where I learned that if I'm ever abducted, I need to bite somewhere in their car. <laughs> I'll never forget that lady. She bit like the... Like, what's that called? Like the edge, like right by the window? Like, just like... Like that hard foam yeah, that makes like, yeah, the like, like the and the she side didn't even remember thing. till later. She's like, "Oh yeah, I bit it." And then yeah, so I'll bite somewhere in the car and make <laughs> a really make a point to leave some hairs and fibers behind. That's what I learned. That's <laughs> you're like put your hands yeah, on things I'm so like, you have scratch, fingerprints. Scratch the shit out of them. Get some get some skin under your nail. Spit on some stuff yeah, so you can oh. get the DNA stuck in their car. Get your shoe in the ground somewhere. <laughs> you know, leave a print if you can. So that's what I learned. Oh, man. You're dropping breadcrumbs is essentially what you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) So by 1998, they rebranded themselves to simply TLC. Okay. But they did still at times say the learning channel, like in at different points. Okay. As opposed to today where you just kind of, you just hear TLC. Yeah. So this rebranding is where we really start to see changes. Mm Mm-hmm. Since Discovery is such a large network, they begin passing off some of those earlier shows to their sister channels. So, for example, Paleo World got passed off to Discovery Science. So you have to go there first to see the whole episode on dinosaur sex. (laughs) There is an entire episode on dinosaur. I watched like 10 minutes of it. I was like, huh. Once again, are you reading my diary? (laughs) Um, Trauma Life in the ER went to Discovery Health. And then Ready, Set, Learn moved to Discovery Kids. It and, definitely go ahead. And then medical detectives moved to True TV, which is where it was rebranded to the Forensic, forensic Files we okay. know and love. All right. So that's where that happened. And I feel like you saw that as the years went on, where Discovery would start. Like there was shows that used to be on like Discovery proper, and then once they started, like ratings started sinking a little bit, then they would push them off, and then it would be like, now it's on TLC. Yeah, that's. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like they're they pushed it to where they're like, where are we going to get the most ratings? Yeah, Type. and I will like, say that like like the, they moved the thing. It goes both ways. So mm-hmm. it's like something would be on Discovery Health and starts to make it big, Duggars, they're and then they're like, you're going to put you on TLC. You might have been TLC, and they're like, mm, we'll just put you to the more niche one. Like right. I will say I was as a nerdy little kid, I was a sucker for the Science Channel. There were so it. many cool things on the Science Channel that I just didn't have access to anywhere else, you know what I mean? Cuz it was 
It was infotainment. <laughs> um, and then there was also, on a side note, there was a show that was on the Science Channel that was called Kitchen Chemistry with Heston Blumenthal. Is the Science Channel Discovery? Like, the Science yeah. Channel? It is? Mm-hmm. The Science Channel? I believe so. Oh. Because I think what it was was they turned Discovery Science into the Science Channel. Oh, okay. Like they just rebranded it. And See, took there's Discovery so many fucking of names and so many yeah. fucking things. Like, and I was like, I didn't really, I didn't realize True TV was part of them. I yeah. thought it was like, yeah. But Heston Blumenthal, one of the best chefs in the world, Fat Duck in the UK was the name of his restaurant. But he would get on there and think about this as a kid who's interested in food or a kid who's interested in science and watching that show, and then somebody who grew a love of the industry. That show was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And he just did. He would show things out in his restaurant, out in the world, and then he would be back in his like kitchen at home doing like little like food experiments, which I'll talk about later. But amazing. I loved the Science Channel. Nice. But since they rebranded as TLC, when do uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez and T-Boz show up? You have no, many ti- no idea how many times in my... like research i would have to be like oh god like look up tlc channel because i'd be like <laughs> i like what am i gonna get this through my head that if i put in tlc and lawsuits it brings up them going bankrupt like you know what i mean like, and I'm like, god i need to <laughs> so you're saying uh t-boz is not in this one yet not yet no, okay no, i'm no, no. i'm eagerly awaiting so like i was saying they just they've started to push some of their original uh, programming to sister channels and it's during the same time that shows like a wedding story and a baby story become big hits okay which i watched those here and there they weren't like must watch for me but it was like you know here and there mm-hmm. so this is when it appears that they've realized a few things one thing uh, the first being that people were invested in more personal topics or human interest stories to sound more official and they weren't interested in learning anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, that their demographic was largely made up of women. <laughs> and that reality TV was the wave of the future. Yeah. And this is also where they switched their Logan to Life Unscripted. Oh, So that okay. kind of tells you right there. They're like, mm. oh, this is where we're going now. Yeah. By the year 2000, things start amping up and shows like trading spaces become massively popular. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God, cross your fingers you don't get fucking Hildy as the designer of your home. Or you'd risk having straw glued to your walls and oh, fucking wow, sand you in showed, your house. You showed me that one. <laughs> it's insane. Doug Doug was pretty bad too. But like Hildy, but Hildy was the worst. And then there was that time that she put like this like was it tile? I don't remember. But it was like this art piece and it was like her, like a cartoon, like her, basically. Oh my but god. But I, I want to say so it was bad. like little tiles or little pebbles or something. I don't know. But like <laughs> you don't want Hildy designing your house. It was a uh. fucking mess. that show was a goddamn mess everything was done so badly it was so cheap it was oh yeah oh god it was bad and the the ones that people would be like those are boring and i'm like that's the best episode because (laughs) people aren't getting fucking wrecked these people have to move back in and live here yeah there's a there's a bit by daniel tosh where he talks about that show 
without naming it, obviously. And he's like, that show relies on the fact that you have to really trust your friends. (laughs) And he goes, I don't know if I could do that. My friend would come in and be like, all right, here's my idea. Big circus tent. Giant circus tent. (laughs) I just love when, like, I mean, I don't love it for them. sucks for them. But, like, they'll, like, specifically be like, don't touch this. Like, there was one where they're like, don't touch the fireplace. And they totally fucking touch the fireplace. And they were so (laughs) mad. And I'm like, this. If I remember the the one that you're talking about with the straw, oh, so I remember bad. the reveal, and they were their their flabber was thoroughly gassed. The lady they was were like, like, "Is that straw?" And she was fuck? like, "And they talked about like I think they got to, if I remember correctly, I think I remember reading somewhere that they like they got to work like right away, like taking it off, and it took them like days and days and days. But it's like, oh, who man. does that? That was a train wreck. Yeah, that whole yeah. And then there was um a bunch of shows that came in and started doing the same thing. Like, you know, like on other channels. Yeah. But, um, so we're in this, the early 2000s. Fucking mess of a time, man. The early 2000s are fucking wild. <laughs> but if home decor wasn't your thing, um, in 2003, uh, if, if you were lucky, okay, or actually incredibly unlucky, okay. um, your coworkers could submit you to national television to complain about how much you look like shit. And oh. You could be on what not to wear. Yeah awesome the makeover shows yep yeah perhaps even worse though because you know things can always get worse there was 10 years younger where you get to stand in a box on the street and let people try to guess how old you are and basically tell you you look like shit it's fun times the thing about this weird era of television is that they were like we can do all this stuff and not have to pay a lot of the backside employees so we can put people in weird situations. We don't need a writing team because we're recording people do shit. Yeah. So I think that's why this wave really started because a lot of the studios were like, oh, I can put you know, X amount of money per episode that's three times less than if I needed something scripted. Exactly. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Gre- bankroll it for 22 episodes, you know what I mean? The most expensive reality show is still cheap in comparison and but then you take into account like these low budget fucking reality shows that have like nothing to it oh so they had they paid for the so they paid for the fucking duggars groceries like that's fucking this is cheap yeah that's so that's cheap for them and all the dating shows from that area yeah which you and i have talked about and you are a fan of that era of that show on like vh1 I mean, oh, don't even get me fucking started. <laughs> Rock, Rock of, of Love. Love. I have watched all the way through like six times. Okay, this we're, we're off of TLC. VH1 is a fucking gold mine for reality TV. Those early days, the best. Rock of Love, season one is the I know other people like other seasons. Season one will always have my heart. There's so many quotable things that I still say to this day. Like, I'm always like, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Or like, um. I got eliminated for a I got eliminated salty. for a fucking salty. And then on the, on the screen it says salty? Question With mark? Question saltine? Mark. Question mark? I mean, like, it's just, it's the best. Oh, oh that's where we got like. Oh, it's the, it's the, I can't get. VH1 was fucking amazing in those days. I watched it all. Oh, oh man! Sorry, I'm... I got us off track. Any hoozle? Back to back to TLC. Okay. So in 2006, TLC seems to be sort of backpedaling a little bit, and now they changed their slogan from "Life Unscripted" to "Live and Learn." Oh. So I guess we're tr- we're trying to convince us, you know, like we're still learning. <laughs> I'm convinced. Are you convinced? Well, yeah. 
They also start working the full name of the Learning Channel back in here and okay. there. So it's funny how they flip back and forth depending on how they want to present at the time. They're like, okay, things got a little out of hand, and now we're learning again, you know? <laughs> that was just their wild phase, yeah. you know, once they, like, got out of college and... Yep. So Amy Winter, who served as TLC's general manager at the time, said, quote, After the trading space's heyday, we started evolving the learning channel concept into a live and learn kind of thing. And she also said that viewers preferred learning from everyday people rather than being taught in a formal education setting. That would require actual learning, but, you know, (laughs) I I think they're real fast and loose and generous with this word learn. Like, you know, what are we learning learning in this show? That's how I'm going to watch every episode of the Duggars now. (laughs) What am I learning here? Um, in 2006, Little People Big World premiered, which kind of got the ball rolling on family-centered shows. But it's it's 2007 okay. when John and Kate Plus 8 premiered and pretty much ushered in the wave of shows about big families. Cash cow. Much like the Duggars, the Goslins got their start with specials on Discovery Health before getting picked up as a full-blown series moved to TLC. So the Duggars actually started with their specials two years before, because they were like 2004 was that first one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Goslins didn't have their first special in 2006. So the Duggars were first, but John and Kate got their show first, and it's a full year after them that then the 17 kids starts. Mm-hmm. So just kind of interesting, like they're differing yeah. timelines. And the Duggars never inspired like a widespread haircut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That yeah. Kate Gosselin haircut was real. That had a grip on our country. Remember the, at the, remember time. the Halloween costumes? Like, oh man! Everything. Yeah, it was that. It was like the front was gelled down, but then the back looked like it was created by a computer. <laughs> like that. It was just so jagged, <laughs> pixelated in the back. <laughs> For real, yeah. What AI created that hairstyle? Yeah. And that that flip back to trying to convince us that we're learning. I just talked about. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't last long at all, because by 2008, which is the same year that 17 Kids and Counting premiered, so not even a full two years later, they changed their slogan to, Life Surprises. Oh, yeah. They were like, yeah, yeah, we're going back, we're going back. Live and learn to change our slogan. Um, Also, this is seemingly a marker of when they begin to fade out, like the home decor type shows. Yeah. And they really start to focus on people. Like... Mm -hmm the same subjects over and over not just like the random sh- there's not so much of the just like different people yeah um now is hgtv under their umbrella do you know i want to say so because i think that's all on the discovery app. i'm like trying to think of what's on our what's like, on, what's what's on, what's on Paramount because it's so big yeah um it's like they have so many channels like yeah, yeah. the reason why i was asking I is because so. like they still have some shows like that that obviously they can put towards what used to be home and garden television um, you know, so you can kind of see them like specializing yeah, they in a lot of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing about John and Kate. I watched every <laughs> fucking episode of that show. And I truly, be- I think it's because of that show that I was watching, like that I was on TLC, you know? Okay. And what got me to really even be watching the 17s, kids and counting when it started right. like yes i absolutely had watched the duggar specials on discovery but i i really think that it was me being glued to john and kate plus eight that sucked me in to kind of mm-hmm. everything um 
that's why I was on TLC to begin with. And it's like, it's what got me into Little People Big Worlds. Even though that came out first, mm -hmm. I found that because of being there for John and Kate Plus 8 type thing. Right. Um, and, oh my God, I could say so much <laughs> about John and Kate, like a lot. <laughs> Um, like, for example, their show brought up some things regarding children and reality television Yeah, that I really want to discuss, but I decided that I, that might be best as a whole separate episode. Yeah. I think that's to really, yeah, get really get the good. attention and time it deserves. And we can weave in a lot of things on that topic. Mm -hmm. So I won't get into that today so we can stick to the kind of history and timeline of TLC, but there is a lot with that show. Oh yeah. And honestly, it's the first time that I can really remember watching reality tv and feeling like i was watching something i shouldn't be yeah you know like really seeing the downfall of a relationship and the f end of a family for the very first time like yeah. now it's old news i see marriages and relationships unravel all the time on housewives Vanderpump rules sister wives yeah but they were like the first time i remember watching tv and being like Ew, holy shit we're watching this thing unravel before our eyes yeah like we're watching the resentment grow mm -hmm. you could feel the disdain mm -hmm. like it was palpable and it like really stuck with me at the time i almost felt like like it kind of felt intrusive you know like yeah. and now i guess i'm a bit desensitized to it because i see this type of shit play out all the time mm -hmm. which not only says a lot about me but also just the state of television and society in general like yeah. now it's normal but back then i was like this is cr like i remember just thinking like this is i can't believe i'm watching this yeah and unfortunately, that's why it became the thing that it was. Because oh, people, yeah. Everybody had that because it becomes that train wreck where you're like, I don't want to watch this, but I kind of want to watch this. Yeah. And like I never the closest thing I ever got to reality TV was watching like real world. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like I wasn't super big into really any of that kind of television, even in this like in this time period. And I remember things that I've watched with you or like, you know, my dad used to watch like orange county choppers and like that kind of shit that was on discovery but like there was a couple of them where there was scenes where things were happening and i i was the same way i would look at it and i'd be like i don't feel like we should be watching this and then now it's so it fucking normal yeah and then now it's just part of everything but john and kate it was huge everywhere they were on magazines daily they were being followed by paparazzi all the time. Like, I feel like that's a really early, like, example of, like, mm. reality show kind of, like, stardom. When, yeah. when I, I say that with quotes. But it was just, like, because of the train wreck of it all, the fucking paparazzi were all over fucking Pennsylvania because yeah. it was such a disaster. Like, yeah. it was, and it know, felt it was like, a circus. It felt like they never, and this is us watching it on TV and obviously not, seeing 100% of everything but it just felt like we talk about Jim Bob and wanting to put up a facade because that's the way that they make their money and it created a lifestyle for them and then how his relationships deteriorated but it's like but we got to keep up the appearance because of the the enterprise you know and like that's how I felt about that where like you felt from honestly probably close to the beginning that like they kind of didn't really like each other very quickly. Yeah. And I felt like they were kind of stuck because it's like, well, this is how we, this is how we make a living. And this is how, what we've contracted ourselves to. And like, that has to suck. There's so many levels that I think we've started to explore in the Duggars that I think were there. 
Mm-hmm. And even more is coming out to this day with them because now that the kids are 18 and just like, I mean, it's just, it's not, it, I mean, but anyways, back then it was a fucking circus and the downfall of their marriage in 2009 brought in like massive ratings. Of course. And, and this is my opinion here, but I don't think it's crazy. I think that this is what made TLC change their formula. A hundred percent. Previously, they chose subjects that had something different about them. So, okay. So you've got multiple sets of multiples. You're a massive family in denim skirts and polos. <laughs> You're little people. Fine and dandy. Interesting and fine. But I feel like the whole John and Kate thing made them go like, oh shit. Like, it's more than just being different. It's about drama. Yeah. Drama sells. Drama and trash. <laughs> so this is when all hell kind of breaks loose. Basically, the channel turns into everything that was a segment on a trashy 90s daytime talk show episode <laughs> and they turn it into an entire show premise oh man so just think back to the different episodes of like maury and sally jesse and jerry springer back in the day and i'm pretty sure you can find a tlc show at some point in time whether it lasted long or not <laughs> i'm sure you can find some tlc show that kind of like lines up to it so it's like the my strange addiction freaky eaters toddlers and tiaras Extreme Cougar Wives, My 600 Pound Life, Extreme Cheapskates, and 90 Day Fiance. Don't those all remind you of like talk show episodes of the 90s? Oh, yeah. That's a very apt way of saying that. Like, as I was writing, I was like, that's what it is. I'm like, they took that like freak show, Mm -hmm. trashy train wreck, and they're like, let's just make entire shows out of this. Yep. And they had every reason to, because you know what? It got people it, to watch. Everybody was watching. I know. Yeah. I want to circle back a little bit. Remember how I said John and Kate Plus 8 seemed to crack the seal on shows about big families? Mm-hmm. just want to rattle off a few. Um, many of them, you know, some of them were short-lived, but still, it's something that TLC kept doing over and over and over again. Copy and paste. All right. Big families. Sister Wives. United Bates of America. We know them. Hey. Bingo Square. <laughs> Outdaughtered. The Willis Family. My Five Wives. Table for 12. Doubling down with the Jer- Derricos. Just to name a few. That's just to give you an idea, but that's certainly not all of them. I recognize like one of those. <laughs> now I want to shift in something Um To some of the more unfortunate things that have happened within TLC. Unfortunately, everything with Pest was not the first nor the last within the TLC sphere. Damn. Um, The channel is riddled with crime, particularly sexual ones, too. Uh, And I'm not getting super deep into anything. I'm not getting, like, graphic, but we will be talking about, like, abuse, so it is upsetting. Mm -hmm. So they're just your, your your warning. In 2011, a man that worked as an editor on John and Kate Plus 8 was charged with 10 um, CSAM-related charges. Jeez. A statement from the production company said, quote, He was never in contact with the famous eight Gosling kids or any other TLC stars. At no time was this man ever in the field or in direct contact with any of the talent for any or any of our productions. I point this out because they seem to think that this is makes it better. Right. But think about it. He has CSAM charges and he had access to hours upon hours and upon hours of mm-hmm. children in his editing job. Yeah. So think of all the footage 
of kids that he had access to. Mm-hmm. What's well, they're not trying to they're not trying to like condemn anything that he does. They're just trying to separate themselves. Mm-hmm. You know. In 2012, Remy Gonzalez, brother-in-law of Buddy, the cake boss, was sentenced to nine years in prison for sexual the sexual assault of a 13-year-old girl. Jeez. That happened like over like about a course of a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he's in prison and will likely be deported up, up, upon completing his sentence. Gosh. And it's like so his so he was married to Buddy's sister that was on the show Lisa. Okay. And they had like a really like a I think like newborn at the time and she divorced him and like whatever. But mm-hmm. um, so that was that. Damn. Then in 2014, here comes Honey Boo Boo, which is spinoff of Taller Sentieras was canceled when Mama June was found to be reunited with her ex-boyfriend after his release from prison where he'd been serving 10 years for the molestation of an eight-year-old girl. And it gets worse because that eight-year-old girl was her own daughter. Oh, God. Like, she's a real piece of shit. Like, like June is truly like a fucking garbage human being on many levels that I won't even get into all today. But um, her daughter had to get the help of her grandmother to press charges. Because June didn't believe her at first. And um, June admitted that she was skeptical at first, but that now she's finally coming around. She also said... A little too late, lady. Yeah. She also said, quote, After everything everybody has told me and Anna has told me, I do believe that something happened. Oh, how gracious of you. Gee, thanks for believing your daughter. Like... Wow. Fuck off. Um... And then she was just like, we weren't together. I was just, you know, with him. And, you know, I was with him for two weeks. He's sick and I felt sorry for him. And then, um, because like a lot of her kids have all like different dads and stuff. And one of her daughters, she was like, well, one of my daughters like thought maybe he was her dad. So I was trying to like, I was seeing him for her. And it was like, it was a whole. And I'm like, stop making excuses. You're with a man who was just released from prison for molesting your daughter. There's no excuse. There's nothing you can say no. that changes this, you piece of shit. No, not at all. Um, she also refuses to read the court documents, saying, quote, the reason I don't want to is because it's like reliving another memory. Meanwhile, your daughter actually lived it. Mm-hmm. You didn't believe her, and it's too hard for you to relive it. Jeez. Get the fuck out of here. Trash. She's fucking garbage. Um, she went on and on in, in the in the media about how she felt cheated because she says that TLC knew, quote, I was honest with TLC. I told them about everything from the get-go. They knew the story. They sealed Anna's records because she was under 18. So um, she says that TLC helped her seal the files, but that it was after the show was already on the air. And I'm like, this doesn't make any of you look good. No. So you're trying to be like, well, they knew. Well, they knew and... After the fact, I guess, and then like helped you cover it up, and like I, I don't know, but like you're 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 acting like she's acting like that's somehow like making her that better. Make, yeah, like that I don't make understand what you're trying to like say here. How does that help you? How does that help? You still met up with it? Doesn't make any sense. Oof. So yeah, June, fucking garbage. Um, and TLC statement at the time sure is something though, because they said quote. Supporting the health and welfare of these remarkable children is our only priority. TLC is faithfully committed to the children's ongoing comfort and well-being. Once again, we're just trying to separate ourselves from yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm just kind of going in chronological order of when the news of these type things breaks, not necessarily like when they happened, but okay. So that was 2014. Um, everything with here comes Honey Boo Boo, and then everything with Josh that first time that came out when the show was initially canceled before just being rebranded. Um, mm. So that was in 2015. So there's just this period of time where it felt like there was like something every year that was pretty big with someone from the network. Jeez. So this next one, oh, oh yeah, and Mama June had shit to say about that. She was all kinds of fucking pissed when the Josh stuff, and she was like, I didn't even actually do anything, and, and they canceled my show, and they, you know, look at it, and I was just like, shut up and stop. What an awful person. Yeah, just stop. So this next one is about yet another large conservative Christian family. Okay. Where all the children also have J names. Oh, Copycat namers. <laughs> They're the Willis family. And they first gained notoriety by competing on America's Got Talent as a family band before they got their own show on TLC. In 2016, the father, Toby Willis, was arrested and later pleaded guilty to four counts of child rape and oh is serving 40 years in prison. Um, he had been sexually assaulting four of his daughters for at least 14 years. And it also came out how he was physically abusive to all of his children, so beating them and things like that. So Jesus. Their story is particularly tragic, but that's all I'm gonna for today. Um, so this final one I'll mention is Jacob Roloff from Little People Big World. In twenty twenty, he announced that he was molested by an executive field producer. He mentions how he first began contemplating speaking out back in twenty fifteen when the man had texted him. Like all these years later, text mm. him. So that producer worked on the show from 2007 to 2010 when Jacob was 10 to 13 years old. Also turns out that that producer was arrested in 2008 and charged with two counts of lewd and... Lasc- was it lascivious? Yeah. Yeah. The weird word. <laughs> yeah. I, like Because if it's got the, the... I had to stop for a second. Um, lewd and lascivious acts with a ch- child under 14 with force. God. Two counts of lewd and lascivious acts on a child under 14, and one count of cruelty to, to child with possible injury or death. He ends up accepting a plea deal that dropped two of the charges, leaving just cruelty to a child with possible injury or death, and was sentenced to a mere 73 days in jail and four years God. probation. Notice that this was in 2008, right smack in the middle of the time he was working mm-hmm. on the show. But these charges weren't involving Jacob. So that goes to show how much of a predator he is. It's not a... He had many victims. Um, So it wasn't involving Jacob, which we know not only because he continued to work on the show, but because in a QA, and a when someone mentioned to Jacob hoping that his abuser had paid for what he did to him, Jacob said, quote, Unfortunately, and I think this is important for others to know, too, it is extremely difficult to pursue any legal action because of a system built to make it that way. He won't receive any repercussions except for perhaps socially from my post. I'm going to stop there with those five because I think that's enough for today. But unfortunately, there is more. Oh, man. Various crimes, more sexual, just there's a lot. Jeez. And it made me really stop and wonder, like, this seems like a lot in just one place i say that with air quotes correct so to speak is this place being tlc 
just a representation of how rampant it is in general in society and we're just hearing about it all taking place within this place but it's really kind of the same everywhere or is it more rampant there because of the type of people they give platforms and exposure to and then also mm-hmm. the environment of being on TV and bringing people into your home and right. you know and I sat and I thought about it and unfortunately I mean both are bad let's be very yep. clear um but I, I think it's both so when I was like is it this or that I think both are true I think it's happening all around us all the time and we just don't hear about it mm-hmm. and I also think that the tel- television environment um just between some of the people that they put on television because think about it there's like kind of like narcissists there's like they're, they're going for this freak show factor correct and sometimes or these patriarchal families like that mm-hmm. like there's there's just so many factors that i feel like the type of people they're putting on what why why did they have here comes honey boo boo because they're fucking trash mm-hmm. because it, you know like yeah like sometimes it so i think it's both i think it's sometimes the subjects so i'm like you're those are the type of people that mm-hmm. there might be some of those things and i'm not saying it counts for everybody don't you know like but but also just that television environment also having a higher risk, like I said, because yeah. of like bringing people around and into your home and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I really I was like, is it this or this? Is I'm it, like, no, is it's it both. the environment or is it society? And it's kind it's of both. both. Sadly, yeah. it's both. So it's just bad all around. Man, because it does feel like a lot. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, but it's also about how like you hear about it. And like churches and stuff. Like after the, like l- later down the road, we are like, oh, all of this was happening at this one particular church. And what yeah. is it? Both society. It's also some of the people say in power, maybe, or it's, right. it's the access. It's, it's all those same factors when yeah. you think about it. So mm-hmm. in this time, I'm talking about this place is being TLC, but then another place may be this church. Another place may be just another place where there's like this type of authority or access that's easier, yeah. like, you know, so mm-hmm. I think that there are certain like areas or places that it's just a lot. Yeah. And this is one of them. Yeah. Damn. Um, so I'm going to turn it around a little bit and let's just talk about the Duggars getting onto TLC. We've covered in the past how they were first discovered, so to speak, on Matt a large, <laughs> on a larger scale when they were photographed as a family on election day when Lego ultimately ended up losing his Senate race. Well, that picture made the rounds and they ended up having an article written about them in Parents Magazine. And we know that that led to them getting the special on Mm. Discovery. A little added detail on that, though. It was actually Eileen O'Neill, a Discovery executive at the time, who was actually on the tail end of her own maternity, maternity leave when she read that article about them. Okay. So she reached out to Figure Eight Films about it, and they were the ones that contacted Jim Bob and got the ball rolling with filming the special. So on that note, because I mentioned Figure Eight Films, um, we're going to talk about them now because they served as the production company all the way from 14 children and pregnant to completely through counting on until the ultimate cancellation. Damn, okay. And sometimes in the mix of it all, I think that the production company kind of gets forgotten. Yeah. Obviously, the network is huge, and TLC is the big name involved, and that's what's pushing it to people, so they're important. But really, the production company is also a key 50% part of the equation. Right. So, Figure Eight Films, president and founder is Bill Hayes, and he's the one who called Lego 
originally, like mm-hmm. during all of that. Taking it back, uh, Bill worked many jobs before getting into film uh, as a video salesman, a bartender, a farmer, an assistant press secretary for a Senate candidate, <laughs> a VP of sales and marketing for a computer software company where he produced a video for a shopping center. Okay. So that's kind of where it all got started. He'd always been interested in documentaries, I guess, but yeah. then that's when he actually got into producing things. Hmm. In 1987, he formed Advanced Medical Education, which is advanced. (laughs) Yeah, AME. Oh, yeah, there you go. You said Um, But advanced just makes me think of IBLP. It's like (laughs) advanced training is too. So this Advanced Medical Education, it would later become figure eight. Okay. Um, He produced videos for doctors who wanted to learn about new medical techniques. So he documented surgical procedures, and after seeing a show on none other than the Learning Channel Ooh. about surgeries, he was inspired to create his own show. So he did, and it was called The Operation, and it ran for six years on the Learning Channel. Wow. So from what I can tell, this is what started his relationship with Discovery. And the thing about these relationships is that it goes both ways. Sometimes the production company has an idea and they bring it to the network. And then sometimes the network brings ideas to the production company. Mm -hmm. But it's like once you get that kind of relationship going, it's good for both sides, really. Because then they can each kind of be like, well, I have this project I want to do. Are you interested in it? And Yeah. So Figure 8 Films' evolution of what they produced was much like the evolution of the programming on TLC over the years. Surprise. Started out very medical with its operation show. And it, it is funny that even before he got involved with Discovery, he also started from like a medical, like educational standpoint. Mm-hmm. Very, isn't that interesting? Um, so, you know, started out with his operation show. Then it got a little more exciting with things like Mysteries of Cold Water Survival. That's kind of like, so like if we're comparing it to just TLC overall, that's kind of like the trauma in the life ER, like yeah, when they first yeah. started to do like that stuff. And then moved into the more exploitative subjects Mm -hmm. like shows called super obese was one that he did right so you see the exact same pattern of like Mm -hmm. how they evolved which is multiple things it's it's the change in society and Mm -hmm. what we were interested in it's what made them money it's yeah that's why they like all these the patterns are the same (laughs) yeah so then there came um, a shift in their subjects after those other things and it sounds like Figure Eight pitched John and Kate to Discovery. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. I couldn't find that like outright. Okay. But I think that the success of the Goslins propelled him to stick to that. And Bill ended up making big families kind of like their thing going forward. All right. Of course, like I said, they produced the Duggar shows, um, which is also why we see crossover with workers. So Soundman Jim. That we see all the time with the Duggars. Mm-hmm. He used to be on jo- work on John and Kate Plus 8. Oh, okay. Because he he's a figure eight employee. That makes sense. Okay. So it's not that he's a TLC employee. He's a figure eight employee. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we see all that crossover. Interesting. And just because we're kind of on the subject, that editor of John and Kate that was charged with CSAM, he was a so- subcontracted worker for figure eight. And that mm-hmm. bullshit statement that was like, well, he was never with... The-. That was actually... That was figure eight putting out that statement. Ah, uh, okay. Um, the guy that worked for 
so so yeah so they hired a company to do their editing for them and that guy worked for that company that makes sense any hoozle so bill hayes made big families his thing after the goslins and duggars and he produced many of the shows that i mentioned earlier like sister wives Mm -hmm. the willis family table for 12 and united baits of america in fact, he even followed the Bates family and produce, produced their other show, Bringing Up Bates on Up TV, after Discovery canceled them. Wow. So they don't only still work with Discovery. Yeah. Like, they followed them to to another network. So, although, I mean, like, a lot of their work is Discovery. <laughs> like, they do stuff. Yeah. They've done, like, Planet, Animal Planet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the bulk of it, but it's not the only thing. Okay. They did. They didn't produce uh, Brian Fellows' Safari Planet. They did, did they? not. No, they're too, <laughs> Brian Fellows is too good for figure eight. <laughs> now I also want to know because usually those production companies have some of them have a bumper at the end of the show, and I feel like we both have certain of those things from our childhood, like memorized. Oh, like, of course. Sit, ubu, sit, good dog. Yeah. <laughs> or the I think it's DreamWorks. Yeah. Yeah, so. we'll have to, I don't think I've seen it in anything we've watched. We Maybe it's just do, not on the DVDs, though. Yeah. We Wait. should do a montage of all those from us as a kid. Bye. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill Hayes calls himself the anti-producer producer. Oh, he, he's not like the other girls. No, no. no. <laughs> he's not like the other moms. Yeah. He's a cool mom. Yeah, no, like, I, and I didn't include everything because, like, it wasn't all relevant. But, like, when you read stuff about him and, like, interviews and things he said, it's, he's, that statement, that's him. Oh, God. Like, he's just oh, that guy. The self-aggrandizing. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think I, I didn't, I didn't include it, but there's a point where he talked about, everybody tells me, he's like, I feel like I'm doing important work. Everybody who watches my stuff says that I'm doing this great things for the world. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> God, like, he's just, he's that guy. He's, Whoa. he's very into. Himself. I'm not saying you can't be proud of your work, but I mean, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I got a few. I won't get into things about that. So he's the anti-producer producer and that he doesn't believe in meddling with his subjects saying, quote, let the subjects speak for themselves and focus on people who can be really emotionally honest. So they draw the audience into their story. I don't feel like we're getting a whole lot of emotional honesty out of the Duggars. So. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, all right. Man. All right, Bill. Maybe Hannah. <laughs> Maybe our girl Hannah is the is the one that you're getting emotional honesty from. Hannah, our girl Johanna. Jo- oh, okay. I was like, I just <laughs> thought about it because somebody sent us a message and was talking about when she was socking her brother in the chest and called her Hannah Haymaker, and I cracked up <laughs> laughing. So now that's in my head. Now is Hannah Haymaker. <laughs> oh, Hanny. In total, over the years, Figure Eight Films has produced over 1,300 programs for the Discovery Network. Ooh, man. So they're a big part of the Discovery everything. (laughs) Coming back to the subject of TLC, I did want to note that they certainly aren't the only network to have strayed from their original name and programming (laughs) premise. MTV is now much less about music. And Mm -hmm. much more about things like Teen Mom and other similar shows that have become the norm. A&E, the arts and entertainment channel, brought us Billy the Exterminator, 
<laughs> do you remember that show? Yes, I do. He was like a cross between Dog the Bounty Hunter and Chris Angel. Like, like add-ins <laughs> and cockroaches. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is, ironically, those are both also A&E shows, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like, that was A&E's look. You know, oh, um, but God, I watched the shit out of both those. I watched a little bit of Billy the Exterminator, but I watched the shit out of Dog the Bounty, <laughs> the bounty Hunter. I, the Bounty Hunter. And I sing that a lot. Tim can attest. And I also, I sing Mind Freak quite often too. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I am a Mind Freak. There's no real Mind Freak. Mind Freak. Mind Frank, are you ready? I will say, t- I will say, I did not watch, and this is not me trying to say I'm not like those other girls. <laughs> I did not sure, watch sure. any of those shows. Like I didn't. I it just wasn't in my sphere. It wasn't the media I was consuming. So a lot of my introduction to these things have been once I met Whitney, and then we talked about it, and we've watched things. And I got him watching Dog the Bounty Hunter for a while. Dog the Bounty Hunter was good. Like, <laughs> oh, in, its dog, hey, in its heyday, like... Dog has really been very disappointing. I mean... On a the, lot of levels. Yeah. <laughs> Let's on be lot. real. But, I, I mean, I, I'm talking about... We all have our things where we watched it back then. We didn't know what we know now. We didn't see the things yeah, that we see. Like, let's just look at this through, like, at the lens of the time that I watched it, the way some of us watched the Duggars back in the day. Mm-hmm. I 100. loved the shit out of Dog the Bounty Hunter. And I, and I watched me some Chris Angel. Rest in peace, Beth, by the way. Um, but yeah, I I watched the shit out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the dog the bounty hunter things right now. It's so good. And even better, there was a point where John Goodman played him on SNL <laughs> in a in a Guy Fieri Christmas special. <laughs> well, you Tim always says, was, "Go ahead." And he was singing. Um, it was about this like Guy Fieri Christmas special and all the people that were going to be on it, and then it was like them singing certain songs and it was like enjoy your holiday favorites sung by you know these random b-list celebrities and then it was all like these friends and one of them was him and he was singing i saw mommy kissing santa claus bra <laughs> tim always says give it up to price to you gotta give it up to christ bro but like i just i have images in my head of all the times that he would like smash their he always called it ice you know like i know there's <laughs> that there's the different names for it, but like he always called it ice so when he would smash the ice pipes with his boot you'd watch that heel come down on that on that pipe and he'd smash it and, or they were always in the car and like baby all cuffed up and he'd be giving him a cigarette you yeah, know yeah i like, remember that yep <laughs> or you know baby lisa running after people man it was a fucking era and i still follow baby lisa on instagram and like she's like the person that gets out of her car and is yelling at like leave that lady alone i'm gonna call the cops i'm like she's still that girl like she still got it in her if you can't tell whitney loves to talk the bounty hunter <laughs> oh he's been so disappointing it's very sad any hoozle okay where am I? This is like a this episode's like a greatest hits of reality TV is kind know, of what really? this episode but, is. But like you never watched a single episode of Chris Angel? Not at all. Oh, see. Not see, I told at all. Tim and he was like, "Why did you watch it?" Here's the thing. When I was a kid, I loved The Masked Magician. Does anybody remember that? On like I think it was on Fox. On Fox, yeah. Uh, it was like specials on Fox. Mm. I loved that and I also loved David Blaine and he was hot too. So that was great. David Blaine was cool. Yeah, I liked David so Blaine. Yeah. So it's like I love I love his sleepy eyes. And I thought I I 
I don't know. The he, way he, that he, he talked real, yeah, real quiet. I loved the quiet slow, and I loved the sleepy look. Like I, I was, I found it very attractive. I was like, who's this guy? Well, let me tell you, if you're attracted to sleepy guys, do I got one for you? Maybe that's the whole appeal of you. Maybe. Damn. The whole appeal. There's nothing else. You guys heard it. There's nothing else other than the fact that I'm sleepy. Oh, oh maybe that's it. Sleepy. It's all I got. <laughs> I don't know, but like I was really into David Blaine, so I felt like it just kind of gave me like the like okay, yeah. Here's the vibes, and mm-hmm. he's just douchier, but you know, <laughs> with bad haircuts and lots of crosses, and oh, the jeans with the the giant yeah the oh, giant man. bedazzled crosses yes. oh so bad <laughs> which oh, us watching ghost uh ghost adventures right now there's definitely an era where we've been zach... watching the old ones and it's like yeah. oh look at zach's which look funny at zach's pants. oh look here at we his go belt buckle. holly look madison at his... dates them both so she dated chris angel for a period <laughs> yeah. of time look at the crossover and i i the love crossover very good merp um yeah so she dated chris angel for a short period of time and he was like a controlling douche canoe very surprising Surprise, right and then yeah. now she's with zach bagans what a, look at that and now, now it's full circle and i love i love holly and bridget to this day listen to their podcast every week love the girls have it on dvd mm-hmm. love the girls love you yep another reality tv show of my <laughs> yeah. of yesteryear it's sunday nights i'm telling you uh... i would get in my sister's bed with her in her room and we would watch uh rock of love and then as soon as that was over, flip over to E and you'd watch Girls Next Door. Sunday nights in 2004 were fucking lit. <laughs> it was the best time of my life. Oh, man. Any hoozle. Okay, so where was I? Oh, I was talking about Billy the Exterminator being a cross between Dog the Bounty Hunter <laughs> and Chris Angel <laughs> with cockroaches. Bruh. Okay. Um, one last example is the History Channel, where one of its biggest shows is Pawn Stars. Yeah. So that's just my last, you know, a lot of these networks, their their name aren't, yeah, don't quite indicate what they are anymore. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, I remember at the time my dad was watching, like my dad and I watched Discovery a lot because we're both kind of like nerdy and sciencey, and random things like I remember when Shark Week first became a thing. I remember when they used to at night. They would show a lot of shows that were like animal stuff, but it was like, you know, tigers hunting. And it was things that were, for lack of a better term, like a little bit more graphic than like what they would play during that. And they called it Discovery Wild. Ooh. I know. And it was always like a tiger looking from behind something. It was like their, their like splash image. Oh, my. But even Discovery, at that point, my dad was so into Orange County Choppers. Yeah. He was into all of that and even when they moved it to TLC eventually yeah. he 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 watched that to the end of the day and my dad if you couldn't tell from us talking about him on here before is not remotely a motorcycle guy <laughs> no and i'm no. not i'm not saying that you have to be in order to enjoy that media it was just a funny thing he for him to be interested in exactly yeah. yeah you're like huh okay <laughs> exactly it's a big huh. <laughs> yeah that's that's it okay so the point of all of this, I, like, you know, I was pointing out that they're not the only network that has fallen to this, right? <laughs> but the general consensus is that TLC is one of the worst. One of the most egregious networks on air when it comes to yeah. trash TV and exploitation. Mm-hmm. Honestly, off the top of my head right now, the only network that comes to mind as more trashy is WeTV. <laughs> WeTV is it felt fucking like, garbage. It, it felt like the... 
generic version of TLC. Well, the, well like, the, it's that entire network operates off of giving platforms to the rejects of TLC. Yeah. Um, the, the people at TLC, if, if TLC doesn't want you, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Like you're, <laughs> it's not looking good. So you know, they take on like they take on the Mama Junes. Like when TLC drops them, mm-hmm. that's where she has had her TV shows or still has. I guess they're still fucking one today. Jeez. And like they take on all the other Z-list people. That's why they have Marriage Boot Camp that Famey's on. Like you know, like yeah. that's it's just it's the Z-list garbage. <laughs> you know, like that's just yeah, it's it's quite the it's quite the channel. Quite the selection. Um, and also just like their shows are like super forced and like so fa- oh it's just terrible. Like even just the actual shows. Like if we mm. take apart like take away like okay here's some like trashy or nobodies because it's a lot of nobodies as well. Uh-huh. It's trash and nobodies. The, the actual shows are just awful. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever watched anything on Wii TV. I, I, I watched some trash. When we, back in the day when we had... Um, <laughs> the, the shame in her eyes when she <laughs> said that was palpable. Well, back in the day we had PlayStation View, which I loved and I loved wish they had again. It was like being able to have cable but through your PlayStation. At yeah. a very, it's 20 bucks a month. It was amazing. Yep. Bring it back. But back when we had PlayStation View, I, I watched... I watched some Wii TV garbage, and the whole time I was like, this is bad, and then I kept watching it. <laughs> and the reason why we got it is because I was traveling for work back and forth, but then that was the summer of the Olympics, and we didn't have a cable, and when I found out that you could do that through the PlayStation, we got all of the channels that the Olympics were on, including the Olympics channel. I was watching... <laughs> Every oh, every like Olympics, every waking hour that I wasn't at work or asleep, like was I was so just cool. like the whole weekends. I'd be up at three a.m. watching cycling. Yeah, I'd be like, I was just yeah. It yeah. was cool. It I shout out PlayStation, PlayStation View for View, real. Bring that was it a... back, damn. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Miss it. Okay, so now I want you to hear some of the executives of Discovery and TLC describing their own channel. Oh, so. David Zaslov, I I guess I'm going to pronounce it, um, the CEO of Discovery, said, quote, TLC is middle America. We basically say, forget New York and L.A. We don't want anybody writing great reviews of our content in the New York Times or the L.A. Times. Funny. That's you how you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. um, TLC is a little bit more of a culturally driven brand. It's a little bit more erratic. Wow. Sounds like a lot of words to say. We're trashy as fuck and proud of it. <laughs> Which makes sense, honestly. He's actually a giant douchebag. So Oh, you know who he is? They just they just acquired um Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers. And, D- yep. and DC. Yep. And um it was it was a mess. And the amount of things that came out and like his opinions on the people that consume that media was actually really, really offensive. Yeah. So he's he's a giant piece of shit. Well, I mean, that's not surprising. No, not at all. But that's what I heard. I, I felt like even being like, we don't want good reviews. That's your way to be like, when they get bad reviews, they're like, we don't even want them anyway. See? We didn't. <laughs> you know, like, it's yeah. so stupid. Yeah. It's like, uh, trashy and proud of it. We don't, we don't want your good reviews. Yeah. We're not He's for true. you. <laughs> David also said, quote, but also, we got a little bit unlucky, I think, with TLC. Now, it's worth noting that he said this in 2015. Seemingly referring to the pest scandal of that year. Mm. A bit unlucky, he says. Yeesh. That's quite the way to describe people's abuse. You know, mm-hmm. unlucky for you, yeah. you poor thing. Yeah. He's the real victim in all this. Fucking asshole. So then Eileen O'Neill, 
You recognize that name from earlier? Mm-hmm. The one who uh, was on her maternity leave and read about the Duggars and got the yep. ball rolling. Well, she actually, so she was a discovery executive at the time, and she actually got moved over. They're, they're constantly moving people around. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So she actually went on to become the president of TLC during the era where TLC was making its biggest changes, mm-hmm. a.k.a. got trashier. <laughs> so she was largely credited with making TLC sort of like a ratings powerhouse. Here's how she describes TLC. No. Quote, we tend to be less snarky, edgy. There's something for everyone here. We do shoot all around the country. Our optics and people tend to res- represent a lot of daily American lives. A little less of the edgy, cooler material than is found on Bravo or elsewhere. So much like, da- I feel like they have like a thing that they stick to. Oh, yeah. You know, so just like David, I'm hearing trashy, mm-hmm. but in her thing, she's like disguising is we're just not edgy. Yeah. But like, you know, we're middle, we're America, but we're just not like cool, edgy America. But we're America. Oh, man. And I wonder what, I know why people think what they think about us. I get it. <laughs> so that's the history behind the Learning Channel and how it went from literal college accredited, <laughs> accredited coursework <laughs> to medical shows, which you're, you know, it's fine. Um, You know, Things about dinosaurs in space, all the way to Skeddy and Go-Go Juice. <laughs> Do you know what that is referring to? I know the, the Skeddy is uh, Honey Boo Boo, yep. but I don't know what the other thing is. So Skeddy was noodles with butter with and ketchup. And, ketchup, yeah. and Go-Go Juice is what she had her hopped up on before shows. Jeez. And it was um, Mountain Dew and Red Bull, I think. Wow. So, yeah, so... Quite how they fell. Yeah. Either. And I get it. Like my my thing is like I think in the a lot of the media I consume, I think I'm an apologist when it comes to things that are different. Um I feel like if bands try something new, I think you have a swath of fans of that band that are like, Well, why can't they just go back to the good old days? And it's like, well, if they made seven albums that all sounded the same, like then you're going to be like, all their albums sound the same. Yeah. So I feel like I'm in the middle where I, I respect when people try something new and people need to evolve. And it happens with shows and it happens with every bit of media that we consume because humans get bored. But this was a stark oh, yeah. change from what... The learning channel. Yeah. <laughs> And it sucks, and I think you see when the motivations are what makes the most money and what gets the most ratings, and I understand that, like, the weird bullshit dichotomy is the fact that, like, you know, these networks need need money to run. So it's like, do you sell your soul for, yeah, you know, for things that you don't believe in? Or it's the nature of creating media. And, and there's a lot of, like, unethical things in it, and there's a Correct. lot. There, there's There's... And you're going to, you find it everywhere. They're just really mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> like they're just, yeah. and, but I just want to say, I know I'm sitting here and I'm calling it trash and it is, but I am, I'm admitting, I'm self-admitting myself as a trash receptacle, you know, like <laughs> I'm not claiming otherwise or that I'm better. Like mm-hmm. I, I, like I'm part of the problem. I watched all of it. Like, right. I watched an ass load of TLC in my time. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, like, but I am down. I will say. Currently, I'm down to only two shows. I only watch Sister Wives and Welcome to Plathville now. So it's dwindled a lot over the years. But 
I washed a lot of hot steaming piles of garbage in my <laughs> teens and early twenties. Um, but you know, I'm a I'm a bit more selective about my trash consumption now in my more mature adult years. Okay. You know, down to two. It's pretty good from where I started. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I watched a lot. So it's like I'm I'm not even say, like like when people are like people who watch it are part of the problem. I'm raising my hand. I was a part of yeah. the problem. I fucking watched it. I'm not claiming to be better than anybody here. I did. You know. So do you feel like because Bravo shows have higher production value that it's like the mature version of the trash you used to watch? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Now I've just switched to Bravo. I'm over here. I'm like, I'm down to two shows on TLC. And, and meanwhile, then 27 I turn on, on Bravo. I turn on Bravo and I'm like, la, 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 give it to me. Like, you know. Yep. I I admit. Um, But in the heart of quarantine, I did get into 90 Day Fiance. Technically, I got into before the 90 days. Uh-huh. And um, the scream I let out, Tim, this means nothing to you, but nope. the scream I let out when I found out that Lana was a real person, I, when she came walking up, I don't care how trashy that was fucking good TV, the people who know, know that this moment was fucking gold. But Sorry, insert knowing gasp <laughs> from Tim. That's just an editor's note for myself. Um. But that season, though, it had Big Ed and Creepy David and, oh, Jeffrey. It had Jeffrey who, um, oh, there you Jeffrey. go. No, Tim, though, yet another example of TLC's fine talent <laughs> um, who are abusive fucking criminals. He's in prison now. So just another one. So like I said, there's a lot going on with TLC people. But, man, that season hooked me in. And, and I went backwards for a little bit. and But then um, I abandoned it. And I haven't watched that show in a couple of years. So, but like that got me for a little bit and I was like, am I being sucked back into TLC? And uh, I was for a little bit. It's quarantine. Give me a break. That's true. Everybody was a little crazy during yeah. quarantine. But yeah, I'm, I'm down to two. So I don't even watch Little People Big World anymore. It's so fucking repetitive. I haven't watched like the last three seasons, but that was one. hard I, there for a while. Yeah, I watched that for mm-hmm. quite a bit. I do. Actually, I will say when, when it used to be TLC Go on before oh, yeah. everything came together, I used to use your parents' old password. Because we don't have cable. <laughs> and I used to like play that show in the background. Like I watched a lot Sweet of shows. I was playing Sister Wives in the background. I was playing Little People Big Worlds. Mm-hmm. Shit I've seen before where you can just kind of listen and do yeah. dishes. But yeah. You know, but you know, I have to say, if it wasn't evident earlier from my ongoing thing about Dog the Bounty Hunter and Chris Angel, I also watched a shit ton of A and E back in the day. Like in my heyday, I was hooked on both those. Really? A and E and TLC. What would you watch on A&E? So, Dog, Chris Angel, Hoarders, Intervention. Oh, I forgot that was on a and um, And I will say one thing that A&E is better is that is they do a lot more actual documentaries that I find en- enjoyable. Mm. But but not remotely arts or entertainment. Well, I guess it's kind of entertainment, but it legitimately started out as like a, a theater channel. Yeah. Like for acting and dramatic acting and like that's how it started. Oh, where did that go? Yep. Those two were like big channels for me. Oof. I watched a lot of them both. Um, So in typical fashion, this dig inspired two more digs, bringing my dig list to 151 topics. So somewhere down the road, we'll get into reality TV and children. Mm. And then there's also a whole other dig that I want to do on one of the families that were mentioned today. Okay. 
But that is the saga of TLC and just some of their trash. I could mm. probably have a whole other episode if I want to get into more trash. Oh, yeah. But that was just some of it. Fascinating. Trash receptacle. Party of one over here admitting <laughs> it. I'm no, I'm no good. I'm part of the problem. Uh, you. You're the problem. It's you. Hi. <laughs> All right. All right. So we have reached our wind down what are we digging on mm-hmm. segment. We're digging. Which I actually really like this segment. It Just is fun. Like yeah. Yeah. And it's also good to kind of like shake off some of the stuff sometimes a little yeah. bit, you know. Absolutely. And if we open people's eyes to something or we just make them think about something that's good or nostalgic or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Yeah. So I'll go first. I am digging on local business jingles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. We- because everybody has a, a chunk of businesses from their childhood that are very specific to where they grew up, like from that city or town that they just remember for the rest of their lives. And, you know, there's a lot here in Arizona. And the easiest one, if you're looking to sponsor a podcast, that I always think about is the Shane Company. They're not just here, though. I know, but here's the deal. So if you tell anybody who grew up around Phoenix Metro, the Shane Company, they'll go, oh, you mean the one that's on Scottsdale Road, one mile north of Acoma, you know, or one mile north of Bell Road, open Saturdays and Sunday through eight. You know, Monday like, through Friday through eight, Saturdays and Sundays till five. Yeah. Go online at shaneco.com. Correct. People know. You know what it is. So we were driving in Seattle with my brother and sister in law when we went up there, and we heard that commercial come over the radio. And as soon as it came up, the three of us that were from Arizona started reciting where it was from. And my brother-in-law, who grew up in the Seattle area, was reciting where it is in Seattle. And I just thought it was funny that, like, there's a version for wherever they are, where yeah. people know exactly where they go. What good marketing is that? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The and then company. Whitney and I were talking about, like, really small, um, like, law firms. And there's a couple that are, like, you know, larger and have offices in a lot of places. But then there's some here in Arizona that are just here. Learner and Row, it's the way to go. Is that just here? See, the thing is, I they've been around for so long that I assumed that they're bigger. Mm-hmm. Learner and Row is the way to go. Call 977-1900. Yeah, like we were we were just going through this like old commercial. Is that the rough thing one? The day. Rough. Peterson Johnson. Oh, Peter. Oh, we sing it for me so I can do the rough. Peterson Johnson 877 877- Nine six legal rough. Yeah, it was like this little like blue bulldog. Like, <laughs> and it's just we both have really good memories. So I love super regional jingles for businesses that you just will remember for the rest of your life. I I sang a lot of Metropolitan Mattress as a kid. <laughs> Ooh, the dreams we share. I love my Metropolitan. Oh, I mean, my my sisters could. They're like, oh, I, she never fucking shut up. I was always singing Metropolitan Mattress because it was kind of yeah. like, ooh, like it kind of got like your mm-hmm. your singing out, you know, like you yeah. really like hit those notes. <laughs> I love my Metropolitan Mattress, Mattress. Anyway. So yeah, I love old- it. You know what? It's not even. Just, I'm just gonna. I would change it personally to just jingles. Love a jingle. Because uh, what's the flooring one? Good. That's another good one. 800 580 
Empire. Today. Today. <laughs> yeah, we always make that <laughs> joke. Today. I just love jingles. It doesn't have to be local. I just love jingles. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love a jingle? <laughs> and they reference Which that. Which is funny on because a, people call Ginger Jingle because a lot of people, that's one of her nicknames, mm-hmm. because a lot of people's phones. Mm. Auto-correct it to jingle, so jingle says I'm all, I'm all who doesn't love a jingle? <laughs> or there was a video that maybe I'll post somewhere, and it was some sort of business thing, and they got the original band that sang the O'Reilly Auto Parts theme. And it was just this, like, chairs set up in, like, this corner, like, meeting room, and then these random three people that were singing, oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto parts. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the end. It's the <laughs> Like, you know, that's it really gets you. Yep. So that's what I'm digging on. I'm digging on jingles and to a smaller extent, specifically local jingles. I just feel like I can't even tell when they're local anymore because it's just who knows, you know. I have what. Can I regale you with one more? Absolutely. I will always remember when I was little, there was a commercial for a place here in Phoenix that was called Indoor Swap Mart, and they had like a cartoon, they had a jingle that was like all the things you could buy at Indoor Swap Mart, but it was like attached with like this old style like cartoon drawing of what these, all these things were. I love the drawings. And I remember as a kid, now that I'm on the spot, I'm probably going to forget. But as a kid, I remember I memorized that commercial. Indoor swap my phone. I can't even think of all the For words. For your like- poster art, a pair of pants, a crafts and cards, a telephone, a radio. Swap so Mart the cool place to go. A pair of pants, a pair of shoes, a pair of luggage you can use. <laughs> Diamonds for the ones you love. Everything you're thinking of. Sheets and something, something. I don't know. Yeah, and at the end they would go, Phoenix knows shopping smart is the indoor swap mart. Oh, that's a damn good one. I <laughs> that forgot was a banger. Yeah, it really was. And the art was good. Like, yeah, that's a good one. I'm glad you brought that one up. That yeah. takes me back. I can't think of every word, but either way, you know the dun 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 dun. Yep. A pair of pants, a pair of shoes, a pair of diamonds you can use, or a pair of luggage you can use. Diamonds for the one you love. It's just also that universal thing where everybody has something like that. Yeah. There you go. That's what I'm digging on. Good stuff. What are you digging on, Woody? I am digging on the official start of the holiday season. The official kickoff. Had my little Forcing Foul Feels Mm -hmm. party on Sunday. Got that kicked off. And like I've talked about, you know, we've been slowly preparing for Christmas, even as the summer. You think how, but like (laughs) I bought, I have my outfit for our party. Tim has his outfit. Mm-hmm. for our Christmas party. So there's like the slow lead up, but I love this point where it actually kicks off and you're like, it's here. Yeah. Because I love just, our our home is fully decorated. I go, I decorate a Three lot. Three separate iterations of decorations, yep. Um. So we're fully decorated. I love just sitting and basking in the decor. Mm. Like I love sitting on the couch and I have like a Halloween tree. So it's a Christmas tree, but I have I love to turn on the lights and just sit and drink my coffee and like bask in it and turn on like my blow molds, maybe light the can. I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, now is the official kickoff of wearing like a sh- like a themed shirt every day. I'm trying to get her up to 30 Halloween shirts. I haven't counted, but he got me a lot this year. But it's it's a collection over the years. I got two more coming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He got me some, and I remember on September 2nd, I vividly remember, he got me new one, a new one. I wore it out on September 2nd. I looked like garbage, okay? And I 
three times that day people were like i love your shirt and i'm like if i'm, <laughs> I'm like if i'm gonna be wearing like shirts that are getting compliments <laughs> i need to not look this bad in public like so um was but, it the blow mold one yes it was there's one at this really cool like retro looking chick and she's like holding like a blow mold that we have and like next to her there's another blow mold that we have yeah. Yeah. so i can officially like because here's the thing i when it hits the holiday season my i try to be i would try to work in festivity in small ways mm-hmm. from the second i wake up to the time i go to bed so we have a lot of mugs that's also something that's been and i display them as part of our decor mm-hmm. so it's like waking up in the morning i like to choose my halloween mug and ooh, this year I got real, real crazy. I got two sets of Halloween jammies because normally <laughs> they're a problem here because they're usually like hot and fleecy. Yeah. It's still, it's a hundred fucking three this week. Yeah. So I found some that were uh, Phoenix, Arizona approved. Appro- approved. <laughs> um, so I have now I have like Halloween jammies, but um, yeah, I just love the decor. I love the shirts. I lo- and I'm gonna start doing our themed meals. Mm-hmm. I just love the official like kickoff because then I'm like it's like festivity like morning to night and I just love it. Yep. Yep. So that's what I'm digging on. I'm digging on the official start of the holiday season. Very nice. We also I'm trying to get her a close to thirty shirts so she has something to kind of debut every day, and then we're also trying to get to like thirty mugs. So Christmas wise, we have a grip of Christmas mugs. Yep. To the point where we've had to separate them where it's like, this is a Christmas mug and this is kind of a winter, winter mug. mug. Because we, we have so many. That's, <laughs> that's kind of our love language is mugs. So um, we have a lot of them. So I'm slowly trying to build up our Halloween repertoire. We got some We got some really, really good and good ones in there. I'm drinking out of one today that's um, orange and black. And it has um, the logo for the movie Coco. And on the other side, it's a it's like a really cool mural of like a bunch of the characters and things from the movie, and they're all in color. And then when you pour hot liquid into it, they all turn white, and it makes the shape of a skull. And yeah. I love it; it's one of my favorites. And then I'm also drinking out of a black and orange mug that has little white skeletons all around it. Mm-hmm. But I, I like to make the the mugs are part of the decor. Like you come over and they're displayed like on the buffet. Mm-hmm. When and you had your forcing fall fields, you guys were eating soup out of them. Yep. So I was mm-hmm. like, pick a mug. That's what you're going to eat your soup out of. When, when we've had Christmas party, one year, because we do a different Christmas menu every year. One year we did grilled, sand- build your own like grilled mm. fancy sandwich and then variety of soups. And even then I was like, pick a mug, like a Christmas mug. Like mm-hmm. I use them as like a thing where it's just yeah. like, if you're going to come over, we're not using bowls. You're using a mug. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm digging on it. Well, per usual, if you'd like to, if you like what you hear. Uh, feel free to support us at buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. Enjoy some Mildred related content and some visuals at Instagram at digging up the Duggers pod. Maybe we might have a little like jingle post that we'll make kind of like drudge up some nostalgia and some people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, I really hope I can find that Arizona indoor swap mart one. That's a good one. I think it'd be good. So you guys can enjoy the love. And if you'd like to send us some snail mail, we do have a P.O. Box, 5973 in Glendale, Arizona, 85312. So welcome to the start of the holiday season. And think about those jingles you used to hear as a kid. Mm-hmm. Our producer just showed up at the end. She says, yep. She says, I'm producing real good over here, Mom. She says, okay, you're done. <laughs>